0: It's a constant struggle to try to figure out where you are and what you want, but at the same time, be extremely grateful for what you have. So it's a combination of that hustle mentality, but also gratefulness. I think if you're able, the actual being fulfilled is the balance between those two things.
1: Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the active ingredient podcast. I'm your host, Sophie wheel, and I am a deeply curious person who is constantly on a mission to uncover the light that exists within all of us. On this podcast, I talk to people from all walks of life who have uncovered their light and actively cultivate it in their everyday, whether it be through career relationships, spirituality, or a combination of the three. My hope is that these conversations help us start uncovering our own light that already exists within us, which is what I like to call our active ingredient, so that we can tap into it, bring it to the forefront, and live the lives that we were intended to. Hello, we are back another week, another podcast. I am so excited for this week's episode, not only because the guest journey is so inspiring, but... With so many of us working from home and having major back issues, me included, I could not think of a better time to bring him on to educate us all. Today's episode is with Dr. Matt DeVoe, a leading chiropractor in New York and founder of Empire City Chiropractics. He's actually also my chiropractor too. And if you're in the city, I highly, highly recommend him and he is accepting new patients. Um, I'm also trying to convince him to see some patients in Miami, but stay tuned for that. In this episode, we get into Matt's journey and how he paved his own path in the chiropractic field, his unconventional and extremely thoughtful approach to patient treatment, his thoughts on scaling when you yourself are the talent, how therapy has played a huge role in his life, why he never focuses on the destination, finding fulfillment in the balance between hustle and gratitude, And of course, we get into detail on things that we could be doing at home to help our own backs out, what type of mattresses we should be sleeping on, and what our computer setup should look like if you are working from home too. So with that, I am so excited to welcome Dr. Matt DeVoe to the podcast. Have a great week. All right, well, we have Matt in the studio, and I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Great to be here. I feel like everyone and their mother is having issues with their back right now, and I couldn't think of a better guest to have on to talk Beautiful. about it. I
0: feel like they are too.
1: <laughs> so thank you for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me. I mean, I'm uh, very excited to be here.
1: So I always kick off every podcast asking the guest what they were like as a kid that they remember, or if it's something that like your parents or the people that were around you in your life said about you at at a very early age. Um, And the reason I ask it is that I feel like a lot of times in our kind of like 30s, 40s, when you're kind of working in your active ingredient or have identified it a little bit better, qualities in your childlike self tend to manifest themselves again when you're kind of in alignment, no pun intended. But (laughs) so, yeah, I'm
0: curious. So I wouldn't necessarily say that there's anything like in my personality when I was younger, um, but I could definitely see how I have kind of pivoted my career towards what I liked more as a child. So two things come to mind. I was a very like athletic kid. I grew up uh, playing hockey, playing soccer, baseball, lacrosse, just everything. And I, like, fell out of a lot of trees and, like, broke bones on a dirt bike and just was, like, in and out of the hospital a lot. So I was very familiar with, like, Western medicine and, like, getting a cast or Mm -hmm. getting an injection or taking a pill, whatever it was. And I just never really had great experiences with doctors. Uh, It was just kind of like you go there, you get it, and, like, they never educated you. Um, So. That's the first thing that kind of like got me towards chiropractic. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second thing is I was always outside. So I always liked the social aspect of going outside with my friends. Uh, Anytime I was in trouble, I would be grounded from going outside. Like my mom would say, I can like watch TV or play video games or watch movies. And I would literally just sit at the window and like wish I was outside.
1: So like what we're living in right now is like your personal hell.
0: Well, (laughs) yes, yes and no, because I was able to pivot my business before the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, that allowed me to do what I love. Yeah. So when I got out of school, out of chiropractic school, uh, I was working for a very busy office. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just realized that going into an office every day was actually like my personal hell, And uh, I really didn't enjoy that aspect of what I did. I liked connecting with people. I liked the work. I just didn't like the setting. And it took me, I mean, I graduated in 2012. So it took me eight years, nine years to f- really figure out like how I can mold my business into being more outside or like, obviously I can't practice outside uh, unless I actually did mm-hmm. it in the Hamptons <laughs> this summer. So it didn't really, it worked out well, but being out of like a, a clinical office setting, mm-hmm. I just didn't really thrive in that kind of constrained, like very.
1: Like nine to five, like regimented and same groundhog day. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Groundhog day. And I just, I just really didn't like that. So when I was trying to figure out how to make chiropractic work for me, that's really like the driving forces. One, I knew what I didn't like mm-hmm. in Western medicine. And two, I knew that I didn't want to be constrained by four walls, nine to five, and just like have everyone come to me. I liked being social, going out, seeing people. So that's kind of how I developed my practice into what it is today.
1: So I want to go back and kind of get into little Matt's head on what you thought you wanted to be when you were growing up and then how you landed into chiropractic. I feel like the medical field is so vast and I'm just curious on how you got into that specific
0: interest. Absolutely. So little Matt's head thought <laughs> he was going to be a professional hockey player and I did not have the the motivation, the drive, or nearly enough talent to do that. And it was uh, a pretty big wake-up call, obviously, when you're like like any little kid, you mm-hmm. know, that's, a, that's an athlete, they think they're going to be a professional. Um, so I realized, thankfully, pretty young that that wasn't going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And I was having, I've got mild scoliosis, so I was having... How um, young? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, uh, probably like 12, okay. 10. Okay. I, mean, I cool. started I started playing hockey when I was three. So I mean like 10 years. Yeah. 10 years into it.
1: But so no, you were down a, do- a hockey road and yeah, at, I was going t- down at 12. A hockey
0: road at, <laughs> at 12. I was deep into hockey at 12 years old. <laughs> and um but I really liked the social aspect of it, like really more than the sport at the, at the time. But anyway, I was having horrible back spasms and I was playing for a team that the coach kind of would get mad if you went and saw medical providers uh without his permission. And it was kind of like back in the day. So my mom took me to this chiropractor knowing that he wasn't going to give me like a prescription for painkillers or like kind of keep me out from playing. He was going to kind of help me. So I went there and he explained what scoliosis was, why I was having these pains, uh, what I need to do on my own to fix it. And that was the first time that I had ever been kind of like handed the reins to my own health. And I just never really saw my role in my health as important. It's usually like, I just kind of deal with it until something's wrong and then someone will fix it for me. Uh, and he really opened my eyes to that. So that's when I started like looking, I was 13 at the time. That's when I started looking into chiropractic and being like, I really like the way this guy kind of lives his life. It's, it's different than anything I've ever seen. And it was, it was, it was eye opening to say the least.
1: Wow. Okay. So did you immediately go to school? Like when you graduated high school, you went to college to study chiropractic.
0: Yes. yes. So I graduated high school, wasn't the best student in high school, but I was, I I really kind of buckled down when I got to, when I got (laughs) to undergrad. Thankfully, I I showed up to the first day of classes. I was an athletic training major at first, showed up to the first day of classes. The head of the health and human performance department was like, all right, write down a, a, a essay as to why you want to be an athletic trainer. I wrote down that I didn't want to be an athletic trainer. I wanted to be a chiropractor. Day two of classes, I show up and we have the whole class at the end of class she's like, and hey, Matt DeVoe, can I, uh, can I talk to you after class? And I'm like, this is my second day of undergrad. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> I get kicked out. Like, I don't know what I did, but they don't want me here. <laughs> so she sits me down she's like, all right, so this is what you're going to do. You're going to drop your major. You're going to drop your advisor who I hadn't met yet. Uh, you're going to add me as your advisor. You're going to change your major to this and follow my lead. I'm like, what an angel. It was just like ridiculous. So I'm like, I guess so. And I basically showed up with the prerequisites for chiropractic school. And I'm like, listen, this is what I need to get into chiropractic school. Uh, and we built a major around that. So it was, uh, it was kinesiology and chemistry, uh, were the interdisciplinary studies that, uh, the major that I took.
1: Okay. So you know that this is what your life is going to be. And then when you graduate, you start working for it. Was that the first job that you said felt kind of like Groundhog's Day?
0: Well, yeah. So I go to undergrad, uh, obviously get all the prereqs, mm-hmm. go to chiropractic school. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, crazy. Anyone yeah. who's been through chiropractic school knows it's a full year of cadaver dissection. It was like drinking from a fire hydrant of information. <laughs> um, it's really downplayed, I guess. It was I much have a question about
1: thought. like just medical school in general. Like, does that, do you actually retain that? For forever? Or is it something that like it's more a hands-on thing that you have like some sort of base knowledge and build on with years of experience? Or does the information that you learn during those years in school really set you up for success? Um,
0: well, it depends on what you utilize later on in life. So when you graduate medical school or chiropractic school mm-hmm. or dental school, um, you're the smartest you're ever going to be in a broad range of subjects. You know more than Almost anyone mm-hmm. in that because you've just gone through it and you've gone through national boards. You do retain a lot of it because it's like act absolutely beaten into you. Mm-hmm. The first calendar year, the first 12 months of chiropractic school is a mirror image of medical school. So I can't speak for anything after that. But okay. the, f- the first year is is very, very clinical. So, or not clinical, it's very scientific. Mm-hmm. Um but at the end of the day, a lot of it is like academia bulimia, mm-hmm. right? So it's like you really mm-hmm. binge so much information. And then when it comes to a test time, you purge it all out and it's kind of like out of your body. But a lot of that does stick. Like I don't feel like I, I definitely can't take my boards right now. I'm not as smart as I was then. But in terms of my applicable knowledge of what I know about the body now, I'm much smarter. Like you, you keep growing on that. It's like planting a seed of, of knowledge kind of in your head. Um, And I would assume it's similar for any medical doctor or any any medical professional in terms of staying with their chosen field. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, you've got a much wider breadth of knowledge Mm -hmm. when you graduate, but then you end up focusing more on what you actually use. Got it. Uh, And it's kind of crazy to, like... Things come back to me like in the treatment room and like when I'm talking to someone that I just, I never, I haven't thought of in
1: really? 12
0: years, 13 years. And I'm like, wait, how did I, how did I remember that? That's really cool. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah.
1: Cool. Okay. So you graduate from chiropractic graduate school.
0: Graduate chiropractic school. Uh-huh. Uh, start to move to New York, sold my car to afford a uh, broker fee in New York, move in with two oh, random the broker strangers. broker fee in
1: New York, man. <laughs> Do
0: anything to make it here. Uh, move in with two random strangers from Craigslist and take a job for $50,000 a year that she ends up telling me that she only needs me part-time and she's going to pay me $25,000 a year. No, So I'm like, all right, I can make this work. We'll, we'll figure it out. So after that, ended up working for a very busy practice part-time as well. So I was splitting my time between two practices. The busy practice wanted me full-time, so I ended up leaving there, going to the busy practice that was An insurance-based practice Mm -hmm. that um, we saw about seventy-five patients a day there.
1: Damn. Yeah, you personally saw seventy-five patients a day.
0: Total. So when I started, there were. I was like, I I mean, it's like juggling. It's crazy, and it's not a very good treatment model um, so I was for no one for, for
1: the for the chiropractor for the patient for
0: the provider for the patient no one no one is is getting what they should out of that mm-hmm. scenario or, or that setting it taught me a lot about patient treatment and I'm glad I did it mm-hmm. but I am um, I'm, I'm thankful every single day that I'm not in that environment but it, it, it did teach me a lot.
1: At what point were you like, okay, this isn't for me? Like how long were you in that role that you were like, I need to give it X amount of time before taking another step? What were you looking for in that next phase?
0: Um, So I was there for three years, a little over three years. I really didn't like it after a year. It was miserable after two. And the last year of it was like just trying to like figure out like sleepless nights what can I do? How can I do this? Because um, obviously, it's very expensive in New York, and you have a, you come out of school with a lot of student loans, so you really can't just like up and up right. and leave your job. Yeah, I
1: was going to ask, like, why do you think we stay for so long? I feel like as humans, we tend to stay the extra two years when, like, I, for, for the person listening, they're in transition probably right now. Like, yep. why do we stay? <laughs> comfort.
0: It's all yeah. comfort. It's 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 the fear of the unknown, not knowing if you're going to make it, lack of self confidence,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, just kind of you you eventually have to rip that band-aid off and take the leap it's hard to get yourself there without getting yourself out of the setting that you're in that makes you miserable mm-hmm. so once you're able to take that leap it's easier to kind of see things clearly and put the pieces together the way you want them to be
1: What did you do to get that space or like, did you try to pay off your loans and then do it? Like what, what was the impetus to get you to leave to then find that clarity?
0: Got it. So I ended up being kind of poached by another practice out in Staten Island. Mm -hmm. Um, and they wanted me to, uh, get a Manhattan branch of their a Manhattan satellite office of their practice off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, but we couldn't find a space in time. So I left my job, ended up Uh, signing with them, uh, signing a contract with them. They said that we'll find a space in a month. It ended up being four months of me commuting out to Staten Island four days a week. And I'm like, this is absolutely not where I want to be. Like I was not Happy whatsoever. It got worse than being in the high volume were office.
1: Were you missing the high volume office? Or were you like, no, this is still I mean, the right decision?
0: That's like leaving an abusive relationship for another one. It's
1: I like know, but just I feel like this is just like something that it probably applies to so many people.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was like a kick in the ass. Yeah. Right. So it was like, I I I know I didn't like that before. I know I don't like what I like now. And I was talking, thank thankfully, the the guy on Staten Island, Dr. John Piazza, he was so, so helpful and, and so kind with it. And I'm like, listen, John, this is not like, I'm not happy with this. And, and I, I need to start my own practice. Like I, I just felt like I need, I needed to, to do this on my own. And I thought that's what I was going to do with him. And he's like, I get it. Like, that's why I hired you. So, and if I can't provide that for you, you have to go out and do it. And I, I had a lot of conversations with him about how I was concerned about the financial aspect of it. And he's like, listen, all you need to do is see patients. you're good at it. you can you can go out, you can find patients, they will like you, you you will get them better. Don't worry about how much it costs. like it'll 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 work out. So he kind of gassed me up and I was excited about it and I took a lease out for a, a, a very expensive space, uh, three year lease, and kind of hit the ground running with it.
1: So what was it about being your own boss that you wanted to go for it? Like, what was it about the environment that you were like, I can do this better or yeah, just what, what was the push for you to do it for yourself? And then I also want to get like for the background of what the, what the chiropractic insurance relationship is like, cause I know that mm-hmm. that's like a huge thing for you and you wanted to completely change it the way that you approach it at your practice. I'm curious to know what that transition was like and what you wanted your practice to offer in comparison to the majority of other offices. Got it. So the first question, I
0: think that what I was really looking for is control over who I see and how I see them, right? If you need an hour of my time, I want to be able to give you an hour of my time. I, I want to have, so, again, the social setting, surround myself with very interesting people and I, I get a lot of energy from that. And I expend a lot of energy in my treatment and like just, just talking to patients and mm-hmm. it's it's very mentally draining and I feel like being around people that that give me that energy makes the day so much easier so working for someone else you can't really control who you're seeing they're not necessarily there for you um, I really like the idea that when I show up to work like people are coming in to see me mm-hmm. and it's it's not an ego thing it's like a it's it's controlling the energy that's around you kind of thing you know um, so that was the biggest. Uh, push for me. Um, In terms of insurance, the problem was if you're working for an insurance practice, at least with chiropractic, um, since it's a little bit more alternative, Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily, but um, since it is a little bit more alternative, that the insurance companies don't really like to pay for it. So you have to kind of be savvy with insurance companies And at the end of the day, it's at the expense of the patient. It felt very dirty to me. It just didn't seem like I would have to bill out more money than what I wanted to get so that the insurance would pay a certain amount. And it just, it hindered the treatment. It it kind of cloaked the whole treatment. And I really feel like patients get a better response when you're not worried about the money of it. Like, Mm -hmm. when you come in and see me now, you know... I mean, in life... Yeah. <laughs> for everything. For everything, yeah. yeah. Know exactly what you're going to be paying for, yeah. right? Um, so when a patient comes in and sees me now, they know exactly how much it's going to cost. There's no hidden fees. I'm not upselling anything. If anything, like, I, I will help you out with mm-hmm. it. It's just, it's it's a peace of mind knowing that there's not a third party that's dictating your care. It's yeah. whatever you think you need, and I'm telling you this is what I think you need, and then we come to that conclusion together. Um, and I explain it to you, right? Like, I think a doctor-patient relationship should be about you come to see me and you're ultimately paying me for my knowledge, for my information, and I need to be teaching you, teaching yeah. you everything that I know about your condition and your what you're seeing me for.
1: That's what I love about seeing you is that you really give, well, Maguire is like literally every single morning doing the exercises that Perfect. you that you showed him, has his little towel, which we'll get into all the hacks that you guys can be doing at home. Um, but it feels different. It feels different to see you. It doesn't feel like you're trying to be in and out in two minutes, yeah. <laughs> like most doctors do. Yeah. And it does feel like there's a rapport. You know more about my, you know more about my life than you probably know about my, well, you know a lot about my back, but you know a lot about my life too. And like yeah. that relationship is hard to come by in the, medical field. Absolutely. So um, and I, I feel like a lot of people probably value that.
0: I think so as well. I mean, that's really what I go for. You know, yeah. I think that's something that that you can't have with an insurance-based model. I feel like yeah. that's that's the care that you put into it that you can't get if someone is dictating what you can do in the treatment room.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So you figured out you wanted to work for yourself. You had this idea of what it was going to look like, the type of energy that you wanted to curate, the type of people that you wanted to work with. How did you start? Like, where did you get the savings to get that three-year lease? How far in advance did you have to plan to make that jump? And what, what year did this happen?
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that was 2016. Okay. 2016, May of 2016 is when I started Empire City Chiropractic. I had a tiny bit of savings and I actually shopped around to a few banks to see if they would give me a loan uh, to get this off the ground. And they're like, well, you don't have, you have so much debt, uh, you don't have any equipment to show for it, you don't own a home, you, you have no collateral, uh, we don't want to give you money. So I'm like, how do I make this work? What's going to happen? And the the guy that I ended up renting the space from was a podiatrist that I had worked with and I, I had known him for three years. He actually introduced me to the people in Staten Island and he was absolutely instrumental in, in helping me with this. He actually loaned me the money to get off the ground. And um, that was again like everything like coming around, mm-hmm. just like the uh, my advisor in undergrad. Just things come together and and you kind of make it work. It it took me about four months from signing the lease to like getting everything together. Uh, and then once I started seeing patients, it was, I mean, it it didn't take off wildly initially. How did you get those
1: first patients?
0: So I was actually in that space with fifth Avenue chiropractic with the, the old high volume office before. Mm -hmm. So patients had remembered me from there. Um, so they're like, oh yeah, I remember Dr. DeVoe was in in that space. So like they would come back. It was just kind of like one or two, uh, here and there would come in Mm -hmm. or they'd see me on ZocDoc. Um, I was taking insurance at the time. So I was kind of like just trying to make it work, getting patients any way that I could. Mm -hmm. Um, And some days I'd go in and I'd see one patient. And I was just, I remember like being psyched that someone walked in the door just to see me. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, thank you so much, like for trusting me. Um, And I guess that kind of just like that energy snowballed. And then it started getting very busy. And I was taking insurance still. And I'm like, this is horrible. Like, I can't take insurance and see all these patients. It's it's taking up too much of my time and it's it's stressing me out. Um, and I was stuck inside. And we all know how I feel <laughs> when I get stuck inside. Um, so that kind of, I got back into that same mentality of when I was working for the high volume office. I'm like, well, now I'm just in my office and I'm kind of miserable again because yeah. I built.
1: You replicated it.
0: I replicated it. Exactly. And I'm like, that's that's not what I, I set out to do.
1: Mm-hmm. So then you shifted?
0: Yes. So my three year lease was up. Um, thankfully, uh, I had a choice to make. Either I was going to double down on the space that I was in, mm-hmm. even though I was miserable, and like try to get another chiropractor in there and take out the whole lease myself because the podiatrist was actually retiring. Um, and they the building wanted 20,000 or 25,000 a month for a 10 year lease. And I'm like, that's, that's a it's a lot, like that's a lot of pressure and I'm not that happy doing yeah. this. So what else can I do? Um, and then this was September of 2019. So about six months before. Thank God
1: COVID you had. didn't do that before. Right? Oh
0: my God. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Can you imagine having that lease?
0: I'd be living Ooh. back in New Hampshire. <laughs> 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 I would have fled. <laughs> it would not have been good. Um, but yeah, so I, I realized that I had to kind of like listen to my gut and not not yeah. go down that, that route. Um, and I ended up finding a, a sublease that I would rent a room in a treatment facility uh, just one day a week, and I got it at a great price. And I'm like, "All right, so I'm, I'm only going to see patients one day a week, and I can I can make enough money to pay for that mm-hmm. uh, just one day a week, seeing those patients that come in that I bring over from my old practice." Um, but now I've got six days a week to um, to do house calls, and I'm like that doesn't really cost me anything unless I'm seeing patients and I'm paying for Ubers. So it's like kind of a low risk uh, scenario. So I, I started doing that and I would see a few house call patients a week, you know, like five or six a week and then COVID hit and everything just kind of I, I shut everything down. I was I was legally allowed to still see patients, but I just we didn't know how it was spreading, or I didn't want people coming into the office or me going to people's homes. Um, so I shut my my practice down for two months, a little over two months. Wow. Yeah. So
1: what did what was like a learning from that time that you were like, okay, I want to double down on doing house calls as soon as this gets together, and obviously we need to get into like the whole COVID work from home of it all. Oh yes. Um, because I am sure. Well, for. There's so many things that we need to touch on. The fact that your practice has completely boomed with the help of social media. Um. I feel like it's also had a huge surge in house calls because of it. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't we talk about that first? And then we'll go into like the whole COVID work from home, what people can do of it all. Um, let's talk about the fact that you started this thing, and then you're doing, you're so happy to see one patient and then all of a sudden you're kind of gaining steam on social media. Mm-hmm. I don't know how these relationships started or how people started posting about you, but I want to, I'm curious to know how social media has changed your business. Yeah. And how you're approaching it. What's the, is there an influencer strategy? Is it just organic? Like how has this all evolved?
0: So I wish that I could say there was a strategy. I wish I could say that I was that smart and savvy. Um, <laughs> But I also don't, I've never had a strategy for that. I mean, it's it's all organic. I've never reached out to an influencer and said, hey, can you come by and post about this? I tell any influencer that I see that they don't have to post about me and I don't want them to feel obligated to post about me. But I guess it's it's they they understand where I'm coming from yeah. and they genuinely do appreciate what I do to help them. Um, so any any influencer that you've seen post about me isn't... I mean, I've definitely never paid anyone, but I've also never asked anyone. yeah, um, so that's fully organic, but it's been absolutely instrumental in growing my practice. I mean, it just gets my my name out in a way that you can't do otherwise because I'm like kind of anti advertisement. Mm-hmm. I think it's very cheesy, you know. Yeah.
1: And also, like, especially the type of people you're trying to get to, especially, like, our age millennial demographic. Yeah, they don't. don't. I feel like this is the way to get to them. And your energy translates every single time that I see you. First of all, I get so happy whenever I see you, like, (laughs) pop up on my Instagram somewhere. Perfect. but your energy translates. And I think that that is also a huge, a huge differentiating factor for you. Thank you. Yeah. Is that something I feel like because of that huge boom, I mean, you have people with millions of followers posting about you consistently. So I, I'm, Assuming that you have more work than you can take, how do you like, reconcile that and like, you probably have more demand that you can possibly offer, especially if you're only doing in-office a few days a week? For anyone that's listening that may also be in the service industry and is like, okay, well, there's only one me, and people, especially with their backs, are really only trusting you with your hands, yeah. how do you think about that or how are you thinking about that as you continue to grow?
0: That's something I think about every single day. And it's it's really hard for me to like let up control and like hire someone else because mm-hmm. no one is ever going to be you or care about the business as much as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, at the end of the day, don't expect them to care about the business as much, but I really want them to care about the patients as much because it's an extension of me. If I have someone in my office, that's one thing and, and a patient can come in and see them but if i'm sending someone to someone's home then there has to be another level of trust that i have with that mm-hmm. doctor and i just haven't found that really with anyone that that re- that really wants to be a chiropractor with me so it's it's going to be very hard for me to find someone that i click with that has the same kind of philosophy towards patient treatment that i do so that's that's a hard kind of way to expand the business yeah the only thing that i've i've come up with is I really just need a product. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there's a need for what I tell people. I mean, using, like I I told McGuire, a rolled up towel. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a need for this product and no one's making it. I just need to figure out how to make it. And then like, I would, basically give it away.
1: Totally. I actually had another idea for you as I was coming here because I told you that we bought these like ergonomic chairs for our apartment. They're the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life, but I love them with every ounce of my being because they have completely changed the game for my back. Um, Can you like collaborate with some sort of designer and do like a Matt DeVoe chair. I would love to. For a home.
0: I would love to. I was like,
1: please, if you can just make this chair a beautiful like house piece, like like, super chic, super chic, like, come on, the world needs it. Like this chair literally is like a blessing and a curse. I literally can't stand looking at it, but like I could hug it. I love it so much. What's it called? I got it on or he got it on Amazon for me. It's like, I'll send you a link. It's like the, er, it's an ergonomic. Okay. I think that's like the brand ergonomics. Okay?
0: okay. Something Thanks like to. that.
1: But yeah, I mean it, it must be super super hard to to think about scaling your your actual practice though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 almost impossible and it's like I said, I I haven't had a day that I don't think about how to scale it because I do get overwhelmed with the amount of people that I that I want to see. Like I want to see everyone, I want to help everyone, but there's literally not enough hours in the day. Right. Um so I'm only in the office one day a week. I do house calls. The other seven or the other seven, <laughs> the other six, um, feels, feels, I mean, every day is a weekend for me and I work on weekends. So it's like, it's, it's every day is great, yeah. but I just never know what day it is. Yeah. Like it might be Saturday. It could be Tuesday, um, which is what I like about it. I guess I'm a, I'm a workaholic, so I, I really do enjoy it, but it, it does become a lot at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's no other way that I can think about right now to scale until I find someone else to join me without a product.
1: So, I mean, a, a great position for you to be in because I feel like if you're doing what you love and you're healing as many people as you possibly can, I feel like that's great. Um, but I do agree that I feel like if your true mission and calling is to heal as many backs as you possibly can, we've got to find a way. So, if anyone listening has an idea, let's let's figure it out. But I'm open to all ideas. <laughs> in the interim, let's talk about COVID and how all of our backs are like completely screwed, mine included until I got my my ugly chair that I love so much. Um, and seeing you combination. Yeah. Talk to us about what you're seeing the most of right now, what people are getting wrong that you see consistently. And for anyone listening, the majority of us are probably working from our like tiny little desks at home. Like what, what yeah. could the listener be doing? And this could also be another way for you to, you know, educate people. And
0: of course, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So the first thing is everyone went from working in a office on a desktop, usually to working from home, probably on their couch and laptop. Mm-hmm. So when you're working on a desktop, obviously it's up a little bit higher. You've got a a, a keyboard and a mouse with you. And then everyone started looking down at their laptops and then kind of like slouching down. No one has a great chair, but you don't necessarily need a great chair to have good posture. It's all about setting up the workstation to fit you rather than you kind of like sinking into the workstation. So there are things that you can add to your workstation that make it a little bit less impactful on your posture. Uh, so the first thing, everyone needs to get a laptop stand. Like there's no way you can work on a laptop in any kind of an ergonomics way. Uh, you need a laptop stand to raise the screen up and you need a wireless mouse and keyboard uh, so that you're looking straight ahead at it rather than kind of like hunching over the, like what's mm-hmm. what's the guy on the Peanuts commercial or the, like, uh, Snoop, <laughs> Snoopy, Charlie Brown, Charlie the, the, Brown. The Linus. <laughs> Um, so yeah, everyone kind of like is is hunching yeah. over, pounding on the the laptop keyboards, and it's it's flattening out your lower back and rounding your neck and shoulders. So it's reversing your cervical lordosis and your lumbar lordosis. And you sit up straight as I start talking that. I I'm literally like,
1: let me fix my posture. Really yeah, quick.
0: Ev- everyone does that when I'm <laughs> talking about this stuff. But yeah, so it's it's really setting up your workstation so it's not as detrimental to your health as it is right now. We're not looking for perfection. I'm not looking to make you into a robot that just doesn't move and you Mm -hmm. sit there for 10 hours. Um, But while you have to sit there, you might as well be doing as little impact to your body as possible.
1: Okay. Okay. Also, like after this, I want to take a video of you doing your stretches so we can post it and people can do it at home. And everyone can laugh at me, <laughs> doing my stretches. I love it. Um, so the listener of this show is someone that is like a seeker, someone that really wants to be living in, in alignment, again, no pun intended, um, lead a fulfilling life. It seems like you're really living in it right now. And they might just be in like a transitional period in their life um, and not even know what questions to ask themselves. So... I'm curious to know for someone listening that sees you and would ask like, Matt, how did you figure it out for yourself? I mean, you're lucky that you found it very at a very young age. I'm curious to know what your answer would be to them.
0: So it's not a destination. I mean, it sounds super cheesy, but it's obviously a journey. So it's not like I am, I'm not fulfilled right now. Right. So I'm not like, this is, this is my peak. This is where I end. I ride off into the sunset. This is perfect. Um, you it's, it's, It's a constant struggle to try to figure out where you are and what you want, but at the same time, be extremely grateful for what you have. So it's a combination of that hustle mentality, but also gratefulness. I think if you're able, the the actual being fulfilled is the balance between those two things. Fulfillment is the balance between uh, gratefulness and hustle. And if you're able to balance that, it's constant balance. Sometimes you'll tip one side or the other. Um, But if you're, you're finding yourself in the middle, then that is fulfillment.
1: How do you find that middle? Like, what have you, have you done personal growth things or or read things or like, how do you, how do you foster that to make sure that you're as in the middle as you possibly can be?
0: You absorb as much information from the world around you as you can. So you're, I'm I'm reading personal development books. I am, I'm listening to podcasts. I am uh, talking to people. I mean, I really do like to surround myself with people who are very influential in their field or very high in their field. Um, and then every time we're talking, I can, I can kind of extrapolate what they're saying and apply it to my situation. And it, it helps me see my problems through their eyes. Um, and that really helps you. It's like reading a book. You get to live someone else's life and and learn their mistakes kind of,
1: um, before we started the podcast we were just chatting about how therapy is a huge part of your life right now and I'm curious just what is it that you're seeking with with the therapy has it helped you with your professional life and yeah I just I for someone that's listening that also may be in like this weird spot and like doesn't know if that's something for them what was like the fire that got you to go to therapy in the first place and also like what can people expect from therapy I feel like that's a topic that people love to hear about so It's a great let question. Us know.
0: Um, so I think the thing that got me into it is a lot of my treatment, like we talked about is very personal. And like, like you said, I know as much about you personally as I do about your, your physical body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really do take a, an interest in what is causing this, these symptoms in my patient. So it could be stress. It could be family life. It could be whatever stress at, at work. Um, not just posture. It could be how they're sleeping. They're not sleeping enough. They're working out too much. Um, So I do a lot of my, my treatment is kind of like just connecting with the patient and being there for them to talk to. And it's kind of like a therapy session for them. So I absorb a lot of that kind of that heaviness. uh, And I love it. I love helping people like, like come to realizations and they just talk to me about it. Um, But then at the end of the day, like I kind of need to do that as well. So I saw all of my patients, like I'm not a mental health professional, but they're just talking to me about issues and they were seeming to get better, just like their physical well being, but also just like feeling better and being happier leaving. And I'm like, I really should be doing this as well. Like, and I, I went to one, I didn't know what I was looking for when I went there and just like, talking to someone about like just little issues that come up or, or maybe parts of your personality that you're a little bit like confused on, like, why am I, why, why am I driven in this way versus that way? Or why can't I let this thing go? Or why do I have to go for that? Um, it just helps to talk to someone and and put those pieces together in your own head. That's kind of how I like to treat my patients is I'm not telling them what to do. I'm kind of like, putting the pieces together for them or helping them put the pieces together so that they can put them together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I feel like, yeah, you're not technically a therapist, but I feel like you are absorbing so much energy that it does make sense. Therapists have to see therapists. So, you know, it it makes a ton of sense to me. Do you see a chiropractor?
0: I do. Yeah. So it's not regular because I mean, I just don't need to see someone regularly um, because my chiropractor in the past uh, showed me what to do. I just, I'm I'm much more in tune with my body and like when things are going wrong and what to do then. So I don't kind of like fall into those patterns of like sleeping weird for four nights in a row and then waking up and being like, well, I can't turn my head now. So like on the first night I realize what happened, I know what to do. And I know that night what I shouldn't do or what I should do. Um, but sometimes it happens, of course, I mean, everyone eventually kind of falls apart. So you yeah. need someone to help you put yourself back together.
1: So earlier in the podcast, you were talking about how you, or most people, approached medicine in a way that was like, oh, I feel bad and then I go to the doctor. And mm-hmm. I feel like preventative care is something that I'm really passionate about and you are too. Um, when it comes to the back, how preventative are we talking? Like if you're feeling totally fine, you think someone should go see a chiropractor just to get aligned a certain amount of times a year? So...
0: I. That's a great question. So I wouldn't say you should go get aligned a certain number of times a year. Um, I also don't necessarily like the word alignment because you're not out of alignment. It's not like the bones out of place. Um, but it's, it's a good stand-in word for like what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I think the real value comes to talking to someone right? It's like seeing a therapist, but for your body, like you have questions about your personality. You see a mental health professional and and they help you understand that Mm -hmm. you have questions about your body. You see someone who knows a lot about the body. They help you understand that. So it's not like you come to see me and I just adjust you, you know, once a month and you're good. You come to see me and you're like, Hey, actually I've been having this weird thing with my hip when I run, or when I wake up in the morning, (laughs) this thing with my ankle hurts. And then we kind of talk through it, and I I kind of help you piece those pieces together of your injury of your symptoms, and then we kind of figure it out. Um, so it's 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 better to have like a friend or someone that you're close with to talk to about these physical ailments on a regular basis, and I think that's really where the uh, where the value lies.
1: Got it. Do you find that there is a correlation between having adjustments every so so often or having your back be in a good place? And being mentally aligned, I find that when you adjust me, and you're, you're going to be like you're, you're crazy. But I do find after I feel like a level of peace, and this could be because it's like semi-therapy with you too. But I find that I sleep better. I'm good for like a, for real, like a week at least. Yeah. Um, do you find that there's a correlation there?
0: I think the best thing with that is you're more in tuned and you're more self aware of your body. Um, so you, it's more in the forefront of your brain. So that's why you're... you're less foggy, more clear. You're sleeping better because you know kind of like what what you should feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go a while, you know, you're beating yourself down. You're not sleeping well. You're you're curled up in a ball on the couch with a computer in front of you. You're not really thinking about how bad your neck hurts Right until you see me. And I'm like, wow, I mean, what have you been doing? Let's try to fix this. And mm-hmm. I, I, sh- I show you what you've been doing and, and how that's impacting you so that for the next week, you're not doing it anymore. Um, so it's it's a connectedness to your body uh, that will ultimately result in you being happier, like a, a generally happier with a mindset.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of talk about, uh, the new cancer being sitting or sitting as the new cancer. Um, do you agree with that sentiment? I feel like there's just like, I, I try so hard to walk in the middle of the day, but it's like, I really am sitting yeah. the majority of the day. And I, I keep hearing people talk about that. And I'm like, is that true?
0: I mean, obviously there's some hyperbole to that statement of it's not, it's,
1: it's not. It's not not true.
0: <laughs> it's not not true for sure, but it's not, it's not to that point. There are so many negative implications of sitting for extended periods of time. And it's, I think what they're trying to get at is smoking never was seen as something bad, right? And then it was seen as something bad that's the sentiment that they're trying to get across with that statement. Sitting is like, how how benign of a thing is it th- to sit, mm-hmm. right? And then it's like, oh, actually, it's really not that good for you. Um, from a physiological standpoint, from a mental standpoint, the amount of hours that you're sitting all day, it's not just in front of your computer, it's, it's sitting down for dinner, sitting down to watch a movie. Uh, when you go to sleep at night, a lot of times if you're sleeping on your side, you're curled up in a very similar position as if you were sitting. Um, so it's it's a constant contraction or stretching of a certain muscle group uh for uh, I mean up to 18 20 hours a day depending on if you're sitting and then mm-hmm. sleeping 8 hours a night so it's 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 accumulation of all of the time of doing this one seemingly benign yeah movement or or action
1: Got it so I always close out the podcast asking, what is your literal active ingredient? Something that you have to like eat, consume, do, or if it's like a movement that you have to do. It's like a physical, literal thing that you have to do every single day that gets you going.
0: That would be, it's it's a very trendy subject right now, but I've always been about this. Uh, I need so much sleep. I just, <laughs> I cannot survive. I've never been one of those people that get four hours of sleep and brag about it. I'm like, I got nine hours last night.
1: Same, I, same. I,
0: I I'm not a morning person. Like I really, really need nine hours of sleep. Uh, so that is that is my one kind of vice. I don't really. I mean, I, I movement is a vice as well. I, well, not a vice, but movement is something that I need. But like sleep is, I cannot perform without sleep.
1: I'm curious because I feel like a lot of people are moving um, when it comes to sleep and these like new like mattresses in a box things that we are that we're seeing the caspers the helix of the world is there like a type of mattress that you recommend for our backs now that we're all like getting new mattresses?
0: Yes um, you really want to stay away from like a fully synthetic mattress like a like a fully foam mattress uh, you really want it to be pocketed coils Okay. So that each coil goes straight up and down. This is such a dry subject, but uh, No, no, it's... oh my god, are
1: you kidding me? I feel like this is gonna help so many people. I I'm looking for a mattress right now. So
0: Perfect. <laughs> um so any pocketed coil. I okay. think the Casper They the have a they
1: have a hybrid hybrid.
0: I think the hybrid is pocketed coils. And if you're going to get something, I think that's a, a little bit more like entry level. I think that would be your best bet.
1: Okay.
0: Um so you really don't want to get something that's like a traditional um coiled mattress. You they need to be pocketed coils.
1: Okay. Cool. And then when it comes to sleep, is there a way, I, I, someone told me the other day, because my hip was hurting like crazy, I forgot to call you. But a friend of mine was like, put a pillow in between your legs before you go to sleep and see if that helps. Is there something that we should be doing when we sleep? If you're a side sleeper? Or? If,
0: you're, if you're a side sleeper, just try to see if you've got one leg that comes down and like hangs over in front of the other leg. Uh, that could rotate your back, put a lot of pressure on your hips. Putting a pillow between your knees does help. But if you like to have that, uh, that top leg bent, mm-hmm. just try to get a pillow in front of the bottom side leg so that top leg doesn't, like, drape down in front of the bottom side leg. Okay. It's kind of hard to describe without showing you. But, um, okay. but yeah, so th- there, there are things, but it just depends on how you sleep. Um, some people want to sleep, like, on their back with a leg out. And it's like, oh, I just sleep on my back. But yeah. you do it in a specific way, like with an arm up and a leg out. Um, and we just have to address those.
1: Okay, cool. So I know that you're trying to still figure out how to scale, but like what is your vision for the future of Empire City Chiropractics or, or just you, Matt, DeVoe, like what, and you can think about this answer. You don't have to answer right on the spot, but what? what's your vision for what you would define as moving or trending towards a successful, fulfilling life?
0: It's a really hard question. I know. <laughs> um, I think it's it's finding that balance, right? There's always going to be times that you need to be hustling harder and kind of taking advantage of opportunities that are given to you, but then there's also times to kind of take your foot off the gas and realize that you need to be grateful from where you came from to where you are and what you have. So, I think I think the the main goal would be to just focus on that. Focus on that balance work hard and take advantage when I need to, uh, and when things are, when opportunities are presented, but always remember to kind of come back and be grateful for where I am.
1: I love it. Where can everyone find you? Are you taking patients right now?
0: I am taking patients right now. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to get a hold of me. <laughs> um, I'd never answer my phone, um, my, my office phone. So the best bet is shooting me an email at dr.devoe at empirecitychiropractic.com uh, or even better on Instagram. Uh, just send me a DM. Uh, so millennial of yeah, you. Yeah, I, I know, right? It's, <laughs> I, I try to be approachable. Let me DM
1: my doctor real quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: it's, it's, I, I want to be there for my patients, you know? So it's like if, if they have a question about it, and I always tell my patients if they leave And they forget a stretch or they forget like what we talked about. Just shoot me a message and I'll get back to you as quickly as I can because I want to be accessible for them.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so helpful. Yeah, guys, he is everything of a sort. And if you ever go to, I have a lot of Miami listeners, so I don't know if you're planning on opening in Miami, but just putting that out there.
0: After this winter in New York, I think I might have to do something in Miami next year. That's, (laughs) that's That's the move, I think.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. It would mean the world to us if you could rate and review us. And for more inspiration and quotes from the episode, check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.